I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep, the podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched Netflix's new I Care A Lot. And I don't. <laughs> That's right. I Care A Lot, directed by Jay Blakeson and starring Rosamund Pike. To find out how little Mitchell cared about this movie, stay tuned for our conversation already in progress. Let's do it. I was so excited because this week I actually got to see a movie in a movie theater. Mm. First time since? Almost. Uh, so in the last 12 months, I've seen two movies in, in a theater. Uh, there was a window in late August and early September in which theaters were open in some of the counties around us. So I saw Tenet in a movie you theater. You risked your life for I went, Tenet. I would say I went to a 1045 showing of Tenet on like a Thursday night, and there was one other person in an IMAX oh. auditorium. So I didn't feel like I was risking anything, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. But other than other than seeing Tenet, I haven't seen a movie in a theater in 12 months. And this week we were in Boise visiting some family. Uh, and Idaho has theaters that are open. Idaho's a little looser with their laws. You hear me, Gavin Newsom? <laughs> <laughs> we're in California, by the way. Yes. Uh, yeah, so... The movie theaters are open in Idaho, and Megan and I got to see a movie while uh, Dad took Enoch, our son, to a different movie. So we got to we we got to tell me the respective movies here. Uh, Enoch and Grandpa saw The Crudes (laughs) Two. The name alone. Yep, uh, Enoch is a big fan of the Crudes one, so they they really enjoyed that. And Megan and I got to finally see, well, I say finally, but it did just kind of come out this weekend, but we, we got to see Minari. Mm. Which we will definitely be covering in a future pod. Yeah, uh, really incredible film. Maybe um, when it's more universally available. Yeah, just it just kind of dropped on VOD this weekend. It's kind of a $20 to rent um, thing, but it, it'll probably be on a streamer here pretty soon. But um, really, really incredible movie. Um, we both really loved it. And yeah, I look forward to... I do look forward to talking with you, Mitchell, about Minari someday. Um, even even though I, I suppose it won't be a true movies while they sleep, because I will have watched it with my wife in a theater. But I was going to say... You're not holding up the premise here. Yeah, I guess I could rewatch it while Megan's asleep. She's not big into rewatching things, so I'll watch it again. I will watch it again for you, dear listener. Perfect. To make it fresh whenever we have that conversation. And it was such a wonderful experience. I'll just say this. It was so nice to be back in a movie theater. And and for me, it was a really uh, meaningful kind of time. The, the movie, the movie especially, because it, it is a really meaningful movie. It's a really um, thoughtful and uplifting reflective movie about hope and the american dream and the experience of immigrants um kind of making a way for themselves in this country and for me the what was also so meaningful about the experience was being in a movie theater with my wife and my wife was in um, africa for three years as we were walking through the adoption of our son 
and I was here in the States and where I visited quite a few times, but I was living here by myself. And one of the things that I did just as a, as a, as a way to find a little bit of joy and pleasure in my day-to-day week-to-week routine of being here alone was going and seeing a lot of movies and theaters by myself in the glory days of movie pass. Um, when I, when you could see, mm. when I could see a, a movie every day, I know RIP a movie pass was amazing. Um, but even, even after that, I, it was, it was not, I'm a cheap date, uh, to take myself to a movie theater. And, and that was something that was really meaningful to me to enjoy the thing that I'm passionate about, which is movies and get out of the house doing a thing. And, and, and it's, you know, there is no pressure. I mean, I've talked to people and they're like, oh, you go and see movies in a theater by yourself. Isn't that like weird? Don't you feel like just kind of odd about it? Have you ever done that? Mitchell? No, it's on my bucket list. Like I, that's a dream scenario for me. I, I, I fantasize about that. And you know, COVID hit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny when you say that to people. Usually, the initial response is like, "That's my worst nightmare." Yes, like, I'm and like, I'm odd. And, <laughs> and I, I, I understand that kind of gut reaction because it does seem like a very you know we go to the movies with people, and, but then I say, and this was my experience. I'm like, well, we don't you don't talk to your your friend or your date in the theater. You talk about it afterwards, and that's why I have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> But nice try. <laughs> there was something missing about that and being able to talk afterwards, but it was me going into a theater with, you know, often with a lot of other people and being able to experience a piece of art that was not just on my TV in my living room in the house that I was living in alone, but in a theater full of people and having a real communal connective experience. So for me this week, being able to go into a theater with my wife for the first mm-hmm. time in over three years, three and a half years. Right. And being able to share what she, Megan and I, I have said, we watch movies together and we enjoy that. And being able to do that was a really special thing. And, and then on top of that, that it was Minari, a movie about an immigrant family making a way in America, which right. that story is not one that I relate to in the way that it is portrayed in the film, but it is one I can relate to on some level because of what we've walked through with our son. Right. Yeah. And I would imagine too, both when you talk about going by yourself personally, the ritual of going to a theater reframes and refocuses the importance of the movie. Yeah. You know, like, like I would imagine if I were to go to a theater by myself and I walk out, I'm not just, all right, moving on with my day, but I'm, I'm meditating or thinking about or spending time with what I just experienced and, and giving it more thought and more attention. Yeah. And so especially being able to share that with Megan after the madness of the three years you guys have walked through. Yeah. It's gotta be pretty special. Yeah, it was great. I mean, now for us, we walked out of the movie and grandpa and grandma and Enoch were ready to tell us all about the crude Fresh too. off of crude too. <laughs> And Enoch gave us a blow-by-blow of that movie. (laughs) He's going to be on the podcast one day. He's going to be taking over our jobs here. Uh, uh, But yeah, it was was just a a really neat thing. And it was just, okay, I'm I'm excited. You know, there is, you know, good positive movement in, in kind of where we're at in the pandemic. Vaccines are happening, you know, for us. 
Um, our church has been safely reopened just in the last few weeks to in-person services, and that's been a really big deal. And similarly, you know, I think one of the reasons that movies are really important to me and the way I talk about the theater experience too, there's a communal aspect to this. And um, to just be able to see people and, and we're distance, we're wearing masks, so there's still barriers. But the, that connection and, and being being having gone so long without it uh, has mm. been a really meaningful thing again. And so it was, a, it was just a neat experience this week to be in a movie theater. Uh, just getting a sliver of normal again. Yeah. 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 Um, in contrast with which uh, I cannot wait to talk about that movie. Yeah. Um, but in contrast with the movie that we're talking about this week and on the home viewing experience, I care a lot. I care a lot. I now care streaming a lot. on Netflix. I mean, I don't so much about this movie, <laughs> but we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. Yes. Matthew. Mitchell. <laughs> what, what did you think? About well, I, I care a lot. I, I want to give a little I, bit of context. I, 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 to this. I said precursor for this pod that you're going to help carry this. Thing. Yeah, I want to give a little bit of context for this because, uh, you know, I was away this week and I watched the movie last night. Um, all right, and and I after my family went to bed, I I caught up on it. Mitchell had watched it earlier in the week, and I was getting these texts from him. This thing is trash. This is a terrible movie. I hate whoa, whoa, this whoa, so whoa, much. Whoa, whoa. I I think that was an emotional response. I'm I'm guessing. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I can't predict how fun it is to listen to people complain about a movie for an hour. That was my my concern. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he was concerned for for you, listener, of the quality of this podcast. But I think we're gonna have a good conversation. We watched I Care a lot. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and I'll start. I'll get into. It's fresher for you yeah. because I did watch it a week ago. I watched this last night. I will say, I I liked it uh, more than Mitchell. I probably. The first half hour I thought was really enjoyable. You have this character, Marla Grayson, played by Rosamund Pike. She is basically running this kind of ongoing, um, really wicked scheme to uh, really take over the lives and assets of elderly and totally taking advantage of people. And that first kind of 25, 30 minutes is her running her scheme with with a woman played by played by Diane Weist and uh, named Jennifer Peterson. So she's running her scheme. There's a new, you know, Jennifer Peterson. She's you know, she is. They call her a cherry because she has no family and she has all of this money. And the idea is that Marla Grayson becomes the guardian, a court appointed guardian, to take care of. This elderly person who cannot take care of themselves, they have control. This is her. This is her regular scheme. Yeah, this is the regular scheme. This particular person that she's aiming for as a target her, has more enticing <clears throat> possibilities. Yeah, her regular scheme, and and the way it works in the context of the film is that you know she basically is paying off the 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 victim's physician to you know appear in court in an emergency affidavit setting to testify that this this patient you know is not able to take care of themselves it's an emergency though so that often the patient isn't even there and marla gets to show up at the house the next day with a court order saying i'm your new guardian pack a bag get in our car we're taking you to a care home where she's also paying off the guy that runs the care home and they basically get to control every aspect of this woman's life while she's selling off all of her stuff, selling off all her house, profiting from it, you know, 
keeping money for herself and using it to pay for the care home and pay off all these people and they make all this money. And that first 30 minutes was really effective to me because it was, I think it, it, I think it did a good job of showing you just how wicked Marla Grayson is. The, the, that first 30 minutes, I think the movie is okay with you thinking this is an evil woman, despicable. And the real kind of plight of Diane Weiss is Jennifer Peterson, this, this victim here, that there's nothing she can do. I mean, she even gets her cell phone taken away from her and just kind of the, the ratcheting up, the heightening of At, at the care home yeah, who yes. is already bought and sold, they won't allow her access to her phone unless Marla Grayson is around. You've got, uh, you know, everything's being taken away from her. She's been forced out of her house. And, I mean, she, and this was totally unexpected. And 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 it's all legal because there's a court order and there's nothing that she can do, and you know and there's this kind of like uh, subplot in the movie where Marla is able to tell the care home facilitators to change or regulate the the drugs that her victims have to take so that they become increasingly basically incapacitated at these homes uh increasingly sedated and all of this so the to me the ratcheting up of kind of prison that was being built around Mm. jennifer peterson that was all really effective there is how well the trap was set yeah there is a helplessness that this woman finds herself in that was uh very that that was really frightening and and i would say personally for me uh i don't relate to the story in any way shape or form but some of the things that we went through with our son's adoption and just kind of being at the mercy of of immigration officers and being at the mercy of different government agencies and the way that these things work and the decisions are made outside of you know, people being present or being able to present evidence or, you know, anything like that. Authorities making decisions with your best interest. Exactly. In mind. Or the child's best interest or, or whatever. And, Quote, unquote. Yeah. And, and so I was really, really feeling that with this Jennifer Peterson character, the helplessness in the middle of a system that right. supposedly is designed to help a person and is really absolutely destroying her life right so for me the first 30 minutes really work um yeah it 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 put all of the pieces in place to set up this uh this scheme on this on this poor this poor victim um and that was that was effective right i i agree to an extent i think a lot of that stuff similarly what was scratching that itch of like okay this character this anti-hero i despise already and jennifer peterson i'm like interested in her character and the acting that she's putting on i'm like oh i i'm feeling for her that she is just a confused wealthy you know a woman who's getting caught up in the system and i will say does not seem that confused that's part of it this woman well, is yeah. not in any way. She's confused about the scheme that's being run on her, but she is in no way in a position where she can't take care right. of herself. She she's very competent. Yes, as you know, a person that can take care of themselves. Yeah, I, I think what what made that first thirty minutes, uh, it took me out of it was actually in the first I think five minutes when uh, I think the opening scene is Marla in court. Yeah, with um, 
a man whose mother is in Marla's care, and he is uh, I don't, he's suing her, trying to get he's, he's trying to get the guardianship lifted. He is Marla has continued to prevent him from even visiting his mother, right? And uh, you know, put all these barriers in place so he can't he can't see her, he can't get in contact with her. And he's a broken man at this, just yeah. trying to care for his mother. Yeah. And so, you know, that's obviously setting up the, oh, God, this woman is, she, she's not great. No. Not good. She, no. she does not care. Um, but the, the, this, so I'm trying, that's the first five minutes. And I'm trying to get a feel for, am I in good hands with this movie? And I'm feeling good. I'm like interested in the idea of what's, what's going on here. And then they leave the courtroom. The judge who knows Marla, they have a history, uh, judges in her favor that the, her guardianship stays. And uh, the man confronts Marla outside the courthouse. And he's obviously aggressive. He's at his wit's end of trying to care for his mother, who he obviously cares about. And uh, him and Marla get get in a verbal tift. And it with that ends with him uh, spitting in her face. And, you know, she rips her glasses, her sunglasses off. She's going to go confront him. And um, her, we soon, we later find out her girlfriend and um, partner in crime, uh, you know, holds her back. And then Marla goes on this speech about how just because this guy is a man and, you know, has a penis that he, that doesn't mean he can do whatever he wants or boss her around or you know, I forget the specifics of the speech, but it it felt so uh, out of place with what was actually happening. Because mm. her even pointing out their respective genitalia doesn't play a role in ha- you know who's more powerful in this situation mm-hmm. didn't ring true or even make sense to me. Because obviously, the man here just cares for his mother and yeah. isn't mad that she's a woman, that Marla is a woman <laughs> yeah. and is doing this. And, and and part of it too is that so I guess in this moment in the movie and like the, the guy is like you know slightly overweight patchy beard looks like he kind of like lives in his mom's basement and he's also got this like red cap on which <laughs> <laughs> like like from from afar like when he first walks into frame you're thinking is he wearing like a, a yeah. MAGA hat I can't yeah. tell so so there's so I, I will say clearly, that's a good point that you bring up because it's definitely a choice to put the guy in a red hat. Yeah, they're teeing this guy up right out of central casting of, like, gross man that we don't like, yeah. you know? And, and it, it just felt so uh, forced, this this message of, you know, like, women and empo- woman empowerment. Yeah. But it, it made no sense because, obviously, that's not what he cares about, her being a woman in this scenario. He cares about his mother who is dying and needs his care and is is being uh you know wronged yeah in, in this system and so so i guess what threw me in that moment was oh i already feel some messaging that they're trying to yes. push versus just i'm experiencing art and yeah. or you know and like this this type of movie kind of black comedy thriller um you know doesn't need to be the most art housey have something to say but when it feels so like they're trying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're they're trying really hard to build up some themes early on that are so disconnected from what's actually happening in the movie. So I at that point I'm like, I don't feel like I'm in good hands so far. I yes, yeah, so I I would agree with you 
it kind of the general point of view that the woman wants to be wants Marla to be some weird I, I don't know what they want her to be, but there's kind exactly. of Exactly. Exactly. There in that scene there is this like, oh, she's a she's a tough feminist woman, but that's not act that doesn't ever get picked up again the rest of the movie. Right. I mean like the the um oh the 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 narration from her. Yeah. This early on speech about her you know, there's lion, there's lamb in this world, there's predator and prey, and you know, she's a lioness. Yeah. And you know, that's way different. And so already you're like, okay, like th- this, that could be a great line, maybe yeah. if it's earned later, but it feels very ham fisted so far and yeah. very, uh, yeah, shoving a message down your throat that, like, so far it's not, it's not fe- feminist empowerment. It's, it's despicable woman doing despicable things. And, and that's the problem with the movie is that it kind of wants to be maybe feminist icon but she is just absolutely wicked right right there's no redeemable qualities in her for the rest of the movie for the entire movie (laughs) there is not a thing that is redeeming about this woman she is despicable from the first shot of the movie until the very end well and and part of my experience with this thing too is that i I found almost no characters that i was rooting for yeah I mean, maybe, maybe, like, and that's the other thing is, is the mob boss later on, you start, I mean, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there. But in general, there wasn't uh, likable characters in this thing. No. And so when there are, uh, you know, climactic moments happening later on or high stakes, supposedly, I I don't feel those because I don't care for anyone in this movie because they're all evil. Yeah. (laughs) Like whether it's the people in the, um, in the home, the transition home for uh, the people that pay, are paid off by Marla, the the doctors that are paid off, the care home people that yeah. are paid off, the the bumbling judge who is so easily tricked. Like there's there's just yeah, yeah. There's never a moment where I'm like, man, I hope this person I can connect with them and and I'm feeling for them and I I'm rooting for them. Yes. And and I would say the only person, the only character in the movie that is that for me is the the Jennifer Peterson, the victim, right? And there's a moment which in, she is great. She's incredible. Diane Weist is amazing. She she gets very little to do in this movie, but she's giving a really good like she's, she's giving a, like a legitimately good performance here. Just yes, anytime she's on screen, it's this movie lifts up a little absolutely i mean she's she's incredible and my problem is if the movie was that 30 minutes that we got and then it was this kind of chess game between marla who has proven to be this very competent con artist and jennifer peterson who is a victim behind the prison the prison of the care home and watching her there try to figure she because she proves to be a competent woman and right and her scheming how is she going to get out of this place from the inside right that's a if movie there's a I real watch. if there's a real battle if there's a battle between these two characters but but there's a moment not well, i don't know what halfway through the movie where the conflict between the two of them escalates to a point where marla gets her out of the care home and into a psychiatric facility and you see her get wheeled off on a stretcher through you know the bowels of a psychiatric facility and then you do not see her again until the end of the movie there is a solid hour where she 
is not a part of this film. And right. that to me is the moment where I, I didn't know that she wasn't going to be there anymore. But on, on reflection, I'm like, what are you doing? You're wasting this great character, this great actress. There's so much potential here that is just gone. And, right. and, you know, other than using the psychiatric facility to just sideline a great character, I don't even know why that was there. Right. There's a lot of moments like that where it's confusing as to why they felt this was important enough to show. Like even her losing her tooth later on and getting it put back or getting a new tooth in the dentist's office. Or even all the shots of her exercising on... On her soul uh, cycle? Know, yeah, her soul cycle, Peloton vibes. I, 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 I'm not sure what exactly i'm supposed to be getting for like for her character yeah out, out of these moments yeah no there, there's plenty of that because again marla is despicable and no amount of showing her on a row machine at a gym <laughs> is gonna change that for me like oh man she's inspired <laughs> oh she's she's like me uh great uh cardio uh <laughs> no. i listen to music while i work out too <laughs> Um, you know, and obviously the big kind of twist to that after that first 30 minutes is Jennifer Peterson, our victim's background. She mm. is the mother of um, this kind of, I don't know, this Russian, Ukrainian Russian mafia mob boss. mob boss played by Peter Dinklage. And he's great. He's a great he, actor. He's I think he's great in this, actually. Yeah. yeah. The, and, like the scenes with him, I'm, I'm very enthralled just watching him make facial expressions for a while <laughs> and not actually say anything. He gets to spend a fair, the amount, a fair amount of the movie pretty pissed that nobody can find his mom. <laughs> and 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 then, he, you know, there is some face off between him and Marlon. We'll get there. But so he's kind of this Ukrainian Russian mob boss. And this is his mom. And because of Jennifer their, Peterson, yeah, Jennifer Peterson, because of the, the crime syndicate connections, you know, she legally and paperwork wise has no connection to him. And so that's why, you know, when they put her, they took her to court, they didn't think she had any family and he doesn't want to risk his identity being out there. So he's not so overtly trying to rescue his mom. The problem here is that Jennifer, our victim, her assets are much larger than Marla originally thought. And so, wow, oh, this opens it up. They find a bag of diamonds, you know, millions of dollars worth of diamonds. <laughs> okay, can we just can we pause for a second? Yeah. Russian mob boss, bag of diamonds, I, I, the, the tropes. And this may be a good place to say. This may be a good place to say. Let's talk about some of the other movies that it reminded me of because you you described that and I start thinking about a James Bond movie, but, right? But the movie that I really kept thinking about a lot, especially in the beginning and then even into the kind of some of the crazy stuff, was um, North by Northwest. Um, this mm, incredible classic Alfred Hitchcock movie with Cary Grant, and the reason that it made me think of North by Northwest is there, there's kind of a mistaken identity. You know, he is mistaken. He spends an evening at you know this swanky party at this mansion up on a hill. Um, is drugged and almost kill. You know, gets in this fatal car accident, or he gets he gets pulled over by the police who think he's, oh, what, what happened to you? And he's trying to explain to these people they drugged me or whatever. The next day he goes up to the mansion, 
the peop- the same people are there, but they're saying there's somebody different, that there was no party, and they are just completely gaslighting him. I mean, it is just a complete right. denial of everything that he's experienced. And you see this man who is absolutely trapped now in some scheme that he has stumbled into. They are calling him by a different name. You know, at one point in the movie, someone is assassinated at the UN, and the killer hands him the murder weapon and a newspaper photographer is standing right there and now all of a sudden he's implicated in a murder and now he's on the run and that's the movie and it's a great movie and and again i i I was reminded of that because of the helplessness of the cary grant character he basically Mm. falls into a scheme that is being run around him and he has no help and no outs and there's nothing he can do and that was what i i kind of recognized in the jennifer peterson character and then obviously the escalation of the, the russian mob the organized crime the diamonds all of that's very hitchcock um but north by northwest is a better movie <laughs> well i was gonna say it's as if it, it, north by northwest halfway through sends him off Cary grant to some island where we don't see him again till the end exactly <laughs> and we just follow around a bunch of villains who are all yeah no, no redeeming qualities that were like well we hate these guys why are we which is like watching this which is why these kind of characters work really well in a james bond movie and we all and we we tend to make fun of the james bond movies that try and humanize their villains no don't humanize your villains they're super villains right. that's fine well that leads into this question too is this the whole anti-hero mm-hmm. uh you know archetype here yes so and and why and maybe another movie we could connect it to of gone girl fame yeah because uh and i'm so bad what's the actress's name again rosamund pike rosamund 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 who by the way was a was in a james bond movie to bring it all full circle yeah okay there we go the worst the worst one but Die Another Day. Uh, Remember? We were really into oh that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it came out a real good time for us, early junior high. Right. Yes. <laughs> wow. I guess I'll die another day. Uh, One of the worst yeah. songs as well. Yeah. Madonna. Okay. Brutal. But um, Rosamund Pike's in Gone Girl, uh, like the, stylistically, it feels like I Care A Lot really wants to be in that David Fincher world. Yeah of kind of explosive violence and and stylized editing and you know j- just some of the characteristics of his movies it feels like i care a lot really wants to um align itself with but the and i'm curious your thoughts on this because you you have more of a um i mean literal education in mm-hmm. in film but that this idea of the anti-hero of why some movies because i would say that marlin Marla Grayson is an anti-hero in this thing because she is the character that this whole thing movie's based around. Yeah. But it, to me it's so not effective, but in something like Gone Girl it is, even yes. though you could even argue that that character is just as or more evil. I I I love that you said that. that was exactly what I was thinking about today. So Gone Girl as and and the similarities do not end at Rosamund Pike. Uh, she she plays Amy Dunn in Gone Girl, who is uh, basically stages her own kidnapping or murder at the hands of her husband Ben Affleck, and you get a lot of narration, first person narration by the the Rosamund Pike character in Gone Girl. Similarly to I Care a Lot, they're both despicable people, um, and and 
Amy Dunn in Gone Girl is a lot worse. I mean, she, she literally kills people, and Marla doesn't. She the worst she does is tase somebody in this one, I think. Right? I don't. <laughs> yeah, she I mean, she's, taser she, and she's, some syringes like overnight at you know the taser and syringe store. Yeah, I, I mean, she is running a pretty pretty wide organizational scheme against the elderly and that's that's not that's not great but <laughs> the most vulnerable of society <laughs> but i would say she is actually trying to keep them alive because it is in her best interest to keep them alive but um uh, in gone girl i mean she, she kills people except that movie is a lot better because it plays this trick on you where you spend a lot of that movie sympathizing with the amy dunn character because it follows the ben affleck who's a bad husband around and then it flips it and you think oh oh she's really the evil one and then you start to sympathize with ben affleck and it plays this game and it goes back and forth a few times Mm. between this and 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 it kind of keeps you in suspense literally into what's going to happen next but also which of these two psychos are we supposed to be sympathizing for because as it turns out Mm. they're actually both kind of broken psychopathic people right and this terrible marriage that they're in um, right but but it but it creates a channel of empathy for for both of them at different times exactly where this movie is i there's not a moment in this film where i empathize with marla grayson except for possibly the moment where this man is trying to you know verbally assault her outside the courtroom at the beginning right and, and like he he is viciously attacking her i know you you talked about how much that took you out of the beginning of the movie he is viciously attacking her, threatening her with with real violence right and then she goes into this kind of trite speech about feminism and you know you, you're you know whatever and it i agree it falls apart at that moment um but I, I'd never sympathize with, with Marley Grayson. And right. in Gone Girl, David Fincher does this expert thing of constantly playing at your empathies for these two and and and, and expertly guiding you through that. Right. Um, I, I would kind of phrase it this way. David Fincher is the kind of director where I, I feel like he is just going to grab you by the nose and he is going to lead you exactly where he wants you to go. You are you are on the right. You're in good hands. And you're, you're in, in good, good hands. <laughs> aggressive, violent hands. But I, you know, there are plenty of other directors that, that do that really well. Um, totally. But but he he is just grabbing you and saying you're coming with me and this is where we're going. And this movie, I kept looking at characters that are like disappearing from from the frame and saying, oh, actually, I want to follow them. I don't want to go where we're going. I'm not interested in following Marla Grayson. I want to know what's happening with our victim, Jennifer Peterson, in in the home. And that happens so many times that I'm taken out of the movie. I want to to keep following her son. I want to keep following the Peter Dinklage character. Not enough of him. Not enough of of Jennifer Peterson. And the director is taking me places that I'm not interested in going. Right. It feels like there's a lot of moments here where they, they... Start stacking up some Jenga pieces of stakes in this yeah. movie, and then just knock them down before they're before they're anything. An example scene for me: uh, Peter Dinklage's character has kidnapped Marla, uh, drugged her in a parking garage, and took her to this you know discreet location <laughs> that looks like a junkyard and is backlit by car headlights. It's like guys, <laughs> these tropes. <laughs> drown it but um and he's he's trying to communicate what a big deal he is of a mob boss 
and why she should be scared. And I guess in a way to like, I, I feel as an audience member, if I'm rooting for her, I should be scared of what this guy can do. Yeah. And, and so here's, we're building up those pieces, maybe building to some interesting stakes. And then she's like, well, I don't care if you kill me, like that's painless. And I'm like, okay. And well. which it feels like that line is designed to show you just how tough she is. Right. But it just makes me not care if she lose her life. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, actually, I'm tired of this character, so if we could just be done with it at this point, it would not be the worst thing in the world. I agree with Marla. Do Marlo. us all a favor. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, the, the, any any emotional connection I had to like making sure she gets to where she wants to go in the end and is not derailed by this man, I okay, she doesn't care, why do I care? Yeah. It's just uh, reaffirming in this part of the movie where both, both these people do not have redeemable qualities that I can connect with and therefore care about. Yeah. It doesn't help that the movie's constantly reminding you of better movies. Like <laughs> after this, after being drowned alive, almost, uh, she heads to a gas station and picks up some snacks and some clo- new clothes to wear. And I'm like, this is Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same thought. And I'm like, uh, Kill Bill, when she walks in covered in dirt from like half a mile away and you just see the silhouette approaching, yeah. I'm like, this is so great and yeah. earned. And it, 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 you're like, can I watch that movie now? Yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help the constant reminders of better work. Yeah, so I want to ask you, well, I didn't like the ending. I suppose I was... Um, surprised by it that's why i said it's interesting so do we want to walk through that a bit go ahead where she so she you know through disguises and coincidental planning of tracking down car uh, license plates finds peter dinklage knocks out his whole uh bodyguard team with stun guns and and tasers and, and tasers and sedation drugs um, is able to kidnap him, and I, I feel crazy even explaining what's happening at this point in the movie. But she she abandons him, drugged out, naked in the middle of a road, so that he can be discovered by a jogger who takes him to a hospital. And apparently, this is a law that if someone's found naked, unconscious, they're they're a John Doe, and uh, are therefore appointed. A, a guardian for like what she does and she was able to use her ties with the courts like i feel crazy explaining i this. know i know and 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 why she that why the choices that she's making and how complicated it gets so he he wakes up in the hospital and she dude i can't even talk about this movie because it's so <laughs> it's so convoluted like like the the choice to say there's a point in the movie where he says, what makes you think I just won't kill you the second I get out of the hospital? And she's yeah. like, what makes you think I won't do that to you? I have that much power over you. And it's like, you, you don't. Uh, yeah. you, you don't at all have that power compared to what I would imagine a Russian mobster. Uh, yes. The insanity of this woman. The the hubris. Yes. <laughs> And and because and this... at this point she knows how deep she's in it with the Russian mob, and she's just like, yeah, let's let's keep blackmailing him, right? And and what the uh, the head of a Russian mob has zero teeth in this movie, 
oh, to no. where he, he wasn't able to even kill her when or he rescue tried. his mother or rescue his mother from a care home i know which i mean is like a funny thing in this part of the black comedy of the movie and i think would be funny if you make adjustments everywhere <laughs> right but so he's already toothless at this point and then he just folds under no pressure whatsoever from her and says yeah. let's work together yes that's what i'm referring to the the ending of the oh i like the scheme you're running against all these old people why don't we work together and you'll have mo- the resources of the mob and we could take this thing nationwide and all of a sudden she's like being interviewed on what the today show or cnn <laughs> she's like forbes person of the year yeah or forbes person entrepreneur of the year you know 40 under 40 she's she's got a new haircut amazing (laughs) businesswoman and it's like it's like all you have to do is take a look and it's like oh she's she's just feeding off of the elderly the most vulnerable which is so has become so literalized in the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) obviously this film was produced before covid but like what a sick there, there thing. was something in the water there was something in the water <laughs> what, what a sick thing a, a year into this of like yeah, let's do a movie about a super villain irredeemable woman who just preys on the elderly <laughs> um, and build systems to do it more effectively yeah and that's the end is that now she's got this incredibly successful nationwide organization that basically runs the scheme at every city in america and you're like why is why is where is everybody just letting her get away with this and praising her for it and praising her for it why is she on the covers of magazines and and again it's one of those things where it feels like a different movie and it's a yes. character that i'm supposed to like and we get to revel in their success now obviously all of that is taken away and reversed in the very final moments of the film in which the guy from the very beginning shows Straight up again. out of central casting yeah shows up again and just shoots her point blank in front of a courthouse and presumably she dies right and so the movie wants you to kind of revel in her success as an entrepreneur like and a different movie would want i think we're i think in this movie we're still supposed to be you know despising her and and disgusted and but i think i think the, the movie thinks it's so clever to like Ha! Ah, you think she's getting away with it, and then in the last moment, you know, we we're supposedly getting a cathartic moment where she gets murdered by the guy she screwed at the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, I just at that point, I just stopped caring. Right, right. But I think why that moment is so ineffective to me is because I don't like either of those characters. Yeah, it's like okay, well, she's dead. Like, like I, at the end of this movie, I, I just don't know what I'm supposed to feel or have taken away from it i agree and i think the movie wants to say some things and i think and this is why i want to be i want to be generous and i was generous about the beginning the that i think there's a really interesting premise here that that could have played out much differently and much more effectively um you some could, ideas that could have yeah been like excavated a bit you do less james bond plot and more just kind of straight up you know psychological thriller but it's also really interested in the commoditization of people right like that's that's her whole thing is she looks at these elderly folks as basically piggy banks her personal piggy banks 
and there's Which some is an interesting yeah wor- world to hang out in yes and 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 you know made all the more literalized and explicit as we've gone through this year of of the pandemic of of our uh, of kind of the feeling that we're reduced to simply consumers locked in our homes wow and okay yeah so the movie's exploring something interesting i i was i was struck by that i you know i was struck by a couple of things that you know in the beginning in her monologue she talks about not playing by the rules or not playing fair it's really aggressive and then uh, at the midpoint of the movie when she sits down with Jennifer Peterson, her victim in the care home, because she's trying to get information. Who are you? Who are these people that are, you know, because she doesn't know about the mob yet. And, and she starts laying into Jennifer Peterson because, you know, somebody tried to attack Marla and all this stuff. And, and she says to her victim, you didn't play fair. This is supposed to play out in the courts, but you've got assassins involved, or you know, something like this. And and I'm like, oh, this I guess this is a, is this supposed to be an interesting thing where Marla is this like kind of self contradiction where she does not she is not going to play fair, but expects everyone else to do it to 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 do that, right? Or, or is the movie being inconsistent? And because the movie is so uneven, I I kind of tend toward the the latter of. Right. Maybe it's just not paying attention here. Um, Well, she literally said in a voiceover earlier in the movie, "If you play fair, you know you lose." Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, and and it's so just present that I can't be a it can't be a mistake. So that's why I bring it up. She says, "If you if you play fair, you lose." And then she then she lays into this poor woman for not playing fair. Quote, and I'm like, "Well, what is that trying to say?" And to me, I can draw out this like. Oh yeah, these systems are unfair. the The commoditization of people is is so broken and so unfair. And we have, so we have systems and corporations and organizations that exist to exploit people, and none of that is fair. But it's all legal, you know, both in mm-hmm. terms of what's happening in the movie and and a lot of things in the world today, and. And if I think about those things as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, okay, I think there's some interesting ideas at play, but none of them ever coalesce into something that I think ultimately is cohesive. Yeah, I I like that that world that you're talking about. Yeah, that idea to explore, but that but the movie gets so goofy. Yeah, it gets, it gets so far from it. it, gets so cartoony that it just it's a bummer that there wasn't more. Yeah. Tact. Yeah. And again, I, I'm confused by the end of. Because even right after that scene where she says, you don't play fair. It's like, oh, like, and I, I, I picked up on that, too, of remembering her earlier saying, if you play fair, you lose. I'm like, oh, is there some commentary here? And then it goes from that to Jennifer Peterson walking behind her and putting her in a chokehold. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I will say I, I enjoyed like, that moment. Sh- sure, <laughs> but as far as like my brain trying to make sense of the actions and choices of both the characters and the filmmakers, I'm like, this is so weird. Uh, but you know what it is in that moment? It's like the it's like the filmmakers are saying, okay, the audience is gonna hate Marla Grayson, and they're gonna be rooting for Jennifer. 
They're going to love it if Jennifer Peterson just comes up behind her and puts her in a chokehold. <laughs> well, and, and Jennifer Peterson just got done saying like, hey, you're in trouble now. I've got... Yes. And, and, and so it feels like she's in control. It feels like this Russian mobster like is so above uh, above what Marla's little scheme is. And, and you're just waiting for the hammer to fall. And then she like immediately tries to choke her it's like it makes no sense i know know. okay i got a question for you i got a couple of questions before we close we'll do we'll do favorite shots if you have one in a moment maybe favorite moments in the film or something but uh so i kind of was tracking this this week so this this premiered uh a week ago as of our recording on netflix and it was basically number one it was the number one thing on netflix for seven days and right. I, I had checked out a couple of times just because I was interested in tracking that. This was the number one, the number one single thing on Netflix last weekend. It was number one movie all week. My question is, and, and we picked this, like we picked it because we basically saw some of the promotional stuff when we watched the trailer, right? And I like, and I like the people involved. Um, yeah. So what do you it think is like, driving? It that? felt like it felt like it was part of the movie conversation. Yes, week. yeah, I, definitely, it, and it was because more more people watch this than anything else on Netflix. So, what what do you think is driving that? Well, one I'll say to be fair, the floor is lava was number one for a month <laughs> this summer. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much the Netflix <laughs> rankings. <laughs> How much how much clout we should give that. Have you seen The Floor is Lava though? <laughs> it's pretty addicting. <laughs> it's pretty addicting. Um I don't know. I think that Roseman is a big name. Yeah. And that I I don't I like it's funny. I was talking to a friend right before we recorded this where they said they wanted to watch this movie because they saw someone else recommend this movie along with uh, Nomadland, and and um, uh, what was it? An- another like great movie that came out. Re- oh, Sound of Metal. Sound of oh Metal. yeah, Sound of Metal, which we are reviewing next week. Yes, Sound of Metal is our movie next week. It is uh, uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. Stream on Amazon Prime. Y'all have a week ahead of time to try to get a viewing in. So yeah, yeah this person recommended Nomadland, Sound of Metal, and I care a lot. I I can't draw the connect the dots between yeah. between these movies or even the the zeitgeist that's surrounding this movie. Yeah, and, and the other kind of Oscar whispered uh, movies that are coming out this month. Yeah, because um, it did. It felt like one of those movies that was in conversation with you know Judas and the Black Messiah yeah. and Nomadland. It felt like it was being talked about, but. It, I, for the life of me, can't figure out why. And, and you know, one take on it that I mm-hmm. saw of this kind of black comedy. Yeah. And uh, maybe this is my favorite shot, but this feels so ridiculous. And I don't know if we can post on Instagram this. Like, there was a moment when we meet the... Uh, it, might, it might be the first time. Yeah, it's the first time we meet uh, Roman, I think his name is. Um, yes. The Russian mob boss. Yeah. And he's doing gymnastics in his office yes he's doing the rings where he's holding himself up and um it's funny uh like the intensity of the movie all of a sudden this guy's just doing gymnastics in his office and it got a laugh 
you know like mm. uh, i was like oh it's and it, it reminded me of burn after reading yeah it's like, kind of an absurdist like, yeah absurdist goofiness yeah. but also very dark and i was like maybe the movie's taking this tonal like shift and is is gonna have some more of these moments of like just absurd funny like what is happening um, yeah. not taking itself so seriously yeah and then it totally didn't do that <laughs> Uh, there, there is another moment with Roman uh, where he's eating eclairs in a parking garage, uh, and he's kind of chewing out his his uh, henchman, yep. his his muscle, who didn't get the job done in terms of rescuing his mother from the care home, and it's odd and it is kind of unnerving, and yep. um, and maybe funny, and I'm like, okay, maybe there's gonna. Mm. Again, they're going to hype up into these just weird moments that can be funny. And and uh, the, honestly, moments like this are the only ones that make sense in this movie because everything is so ridiculous. And I would have enjoyed it a lot more if they leaned into that. But it felt like between the absurdist moments, the really serious thriller, uh, s- like stylistic, cool feel, yeah. and then the like hammy messages of, you know feminism yeah. and and uh predator prey you gotta get yours it, it it the biggest thing for me and why i gave it a one and a half stars is a huge <laughs> lack of consistency that yeah. just made me frustrated that i wasn't watching something else that one of the many great movies that it feels like it's trying to be uh, yeah yeah because you, the stuff you just talked about is all coen brother stuff I mean, obviously, burn after reading, but the just kind of the absurd, absurd black comedy elements. Yes. And, yeah, I just feel like the movie wants to be about five other things. Yes. And I think there's enough in the the bones and structure of this that it could have been really interesting and a lot better. I I think it's pretty easy breezy entertainment. I I just wish there was a character I could root for. I'm just so I would forgive everything that you're talking about. If there was a character, I could just truly be like, yes, this is who I'm really rooting for. And they sideline Jennifer Peterson for so much, too much of the movie that I can't even root for her. Yep. And And I was going to say that, you know, that's one of my favorite shots or moments in the film is when, you know, Marla is kind of confessing to Jennifer Peterson in the care home. You know, these people are after me. How are you connected to the mob? And and Jennifer Peterson kind of chuckles and says, oh, he's coming for you now. And and she, you know, then you realize, oh, she she knows what's going on, obviously, obviously. But right. now she, oh, okay, now she's got the upper hand and she's in a more secure position. And the movie just doesn't do anything with it. But I like the moment. Right. The moment, The moment is really effective to me. Right. They never capitalize. No. Again, those those Jenga blocks, they never just build something nice. They keep knocking it down before it gets a chance to be anything. Yeah. And and it also says something that we've gone this entire pod without mentioning one of the main characters, which is Fran, uh, Marla's, you know, partner in crime. Oh, and, yeah. And girlfriend. And, and girlfriend. Just because I, yeah. I, I can't think of one thing she added to the movie. No. Every time Fran was on, I'm like, "What is she doing here?" <laughs> just like she's just like looking up things. Yeah, she's her like research assistant, doing like, research. Okay, great, great. Anyway, yeah. 
I, yeah, we'll wrap up. I want to kind of give you a chance. Is there any other, so much of our, this conversation, I just think is an interesting thing because so much of our conversation is about other movies that we were thinking about that we felt like this was referencing or or approaching just in terms of what it wanted to be. And I, I think that is an interesting thing that that's, that's what movies do. They're in right. conversation with each other, whether they mean to be or not. And I was going to just kind of say, is there any other movie that you would, oh, oh people should check this out, um, that this made you think about? that you, Or maybe, oh, I want to go watch this. I mean, as as easy as it is, I'll just say Gone Girl. Yeah. If this is the type of movie that appeals to you, uh, Gone Girl will be a far more rewarding watch. Yeah, I mean, if you, it, and Gone Girl's a tough movie. But if you liked I Care a lot, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't really get a lot out of Gone Girl, which I think is a great movie. Uh, the one that I kept thinking of was um, it's just kind of a, a underrated Steven Soderbergh movie from a couple years ago called Unsane, and it is about a woman who is um, involuntarily committed to a psychiatric facility uh, because she thinks she she had a stalker and she keeps seeing him and her 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 social worker thinks okay we need to commit you and then she starts to think she sees her stalker in the facility but again it's the I'm same I'm already more interested I'm yeah. already bought in here. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Jennifer Peterson like she is helpless stuck in a facility has no way to communicate with the outside world there's nothing she can do she's at the mercy of a system that's totally broken and it's really screwing her over um and and it's just this tight 90 minute little thriller that steven soderbergh shot on an iphone 7 (laughs) Uh, really yeah he shot the whole thing on an iphone 7 plus wow and um it you know it's not it's streaming on amazon for free right now yeah it's it's on amazon prime uh and it's got claire foy i know people really like her from the crown and the movie's like really good it's it's not my favorite soderbergh thing but it's it's interesting similar world yeah, it's it's dealing with kind of the the stuff that I really responded to and I care a lot, which is that the the helplessness, the the, the building the of gas a prison, lighting. the gaslighting, exactly, um, kind of just taken to an extreme in a really in a really kind of taut thriller. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I people not enough people have watched Unsane. Um, I, I think that one's that one's pretty good so wrapping this thing up i already said my letterbox review which was one and a half stars because i was frustrated uh i, I tend to be a little bit more extreme <laughs> with my reviews what what did, what did you give this thing probably gonna be a two and a half or a three for me which is just kind of middle range i recognized it as it doesn't totally work it's pretty inconsistent but i didn't actively hate it throughout um Mm. and and it moved quick enough that i was like "Eh, okay i'm here this is fine and there were enough moments like you said that were funny or interesting um yeah i just was disappointed i just i think the movie could have been better some interesting ideas or worlds it could have hung out in yeah but just got goofy so see mitchell we had plenty to talk about with i care a lot i know i i wish i i just wish i did more for this thing and i wish i i cared enough to get pull something out and and feel like i, I got something out of it versus just kind of frustrations with it that's all right 
So that is it for I Care A Lot. Next week, we will be back. Mitchell and I will be watching Sound of Metal. Really excited about this movie. It is streaming now on Amazon Prime. It's been there a couple of months now, and it's uh, got Riz Ahmed uh, just at the center of this movie, and he's getting a lot of kind of awards attention right now. Uh, actually, tomorrow from when we're recording this, he's nominated for a Golden Globe. We'll be talking about him and his performance and the movie itself. Uh, So, yeah, next week on Movies While They Sleep, we're going to be watching Sound of Metal. Check it out on Amazon. Yeah, and to follow up with our conversation, I care a lot. Just see more uh, content from us. Follow us on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep. And then we are on Twitter at MWTSPod. And we are actually also on YouTube starting this week. Um, and the channel is just called Movies While They Sleep. And we'll make sure to link some of this stuff in uh, in the pod on Instagram, on Twitter. And, and really, the YouTube at this point is just another platform for the podcast to exist. A uh, great, easy way to share the episodes with people. Uh, yeah, and we would love for you to do that. Share the podcast with your friends. We've already been getting some feedback and we appreciate it. You can leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot as we are just getting started. Uh, But yeah, it's been exciting the last couple of weeks to have these conversations out there, Mitchell. And that's one of the neat things for me is it's just prompting more conversations with other people. um, People want to talk about movies. I know it's cool. It's, I've, I've seen even on the Instagram, people have shared the favorite shot, which is I don't know why that meant something to me. Of oh, people care about this enough. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's cool seeing some of those reviews come in and just hearing people's thoughts. And that's what I'm excited for more of is I want to hear other people's favorite shots and what they thought about the movie, so the conversation doesn't end with with us on the pod. Yes, and I want to I want to say I mean we we love the conversation and we love the feedback, um, so keep bringing it. But also, you know, one of the things that Mitchell and I've been trying to do it trying to do over these episodes is kind of be talking about movies that are uh, just either coming out or kind of in conversation currently. Um, but that's not going to be the case every single week. We're going to be doing throwback movies and, you know, stuff that's been out there for a while. So send us your movie suggestions. Uh, We may pick something that we've never seen that you, one of our listeners, has suggested. And that would be fun. What should we talk about? What should we talk talk about? about? What's what's the movie you think uh, we should be watching on Movies While They Sleep? Yep. And uh, as always, our theme music is by Andy Carhall. You can find him on Instagram at C-A-R-R-H-A-L-L. Uh, we just love love our yes. theme song so much, and so always want to give him a shout-out. Um, but other than that, this is Movies While I Sleep signing off. And we will. We will. We will. We will. We'll see you next week. Bye.